From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Thursday, December 22nd. Twenty two was supposed to be the year of crypto regulation. Multiple CEOs, venture capitalists, trade groups for the industry, they'd all hired lawyers and lobbyists and prepared policy papers, blog posts, tweet threads. Over and over again, one thing was clear. They were all hoping for, quote, regulatory clarity. In the U.S., the Biden administration announced an executive order to much fanfare that called for a national policy on digital assets. It required federal agencies to get their digital asset policies in order, but it lacked either teeth or specifics. Individual U.S. lawmakers across the political spectrum proposed their own bills on crypto asset regulation, some of which competed with or even contradicted each other. And against this backdrop, things were going mostly poorly for investors in the industry. Token prices plunged in value. One buzzy crypto company after another filed for bankruptcy, including FTX, which had sought to position itself as exceptional in every way. And it's now former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested and is facing allegations of fraud and other crimes. So will 2023 be the year that crypto gets regulated? Here to sort out where we are and to look ahead at what we're likely to see, our Bloomberg reporters, Alison Versbrill. You know, a lot of people that took money from Sam Bankman-Fried are getting tough questions from reporters saying, you know, what do you plan to do with that money? Like, <laughs> did you did you vet it? And and all of these other, you know, questions that they likely don't want to have to answer in their daily <laughs> in their daily life. And Bill Allison. He allegedly used other people to donate money. And this was to campaigns and to party committees, which have contribution limits. You can only give so much money. It's $2,900 now. Allison, Bill, welcome to the show. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm Bill Allison. I cover campaign finance for Bloomberg News. Allison, you've been on the show a bunch of times and we're keeping you busy. What's happening in your world? So I'm Allison Versbrill. I cover crypto regulation for uh, Bloomberg News, and it definitely has been a busy couple months. Is 2023 also going to be a busy year? You know, certainly. I think we're 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 now going to expect a, a lot of talk um, about crypto policy and what should be done next. Um, you know, noteworthy the the Financial Stability Oversight Council, which is led by the Treasury Department, recently put out its uh, annual report, and a big focus of that was cryptocurrencies. 
And so there were kind of two takeaways from that. First, uh, the Oversight Council said that they wanted different agencies to kind of use their existing authorities and enforce existing laws in the crypto space. And then they also said, look, we have a lot of gaps in this space as well where we need Congress to step in, Um, one of those being providing authority to a federal agency to oversee cryptocurrencies that aren't securities. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I I think we're expecting those talks to continue. We'll definitely expect uh, more conversations about stablecoin regulation, for instance. Uh, I think what remains to be seen is is what can actually get done. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because There have been so many reports. There have been (laughs) white papers. There have been executive orders. There have been requests for comment. There have been like, how about we have a hearing? And I'm not sure very many things have actually happened. Well, it's, you know, it's it's interesting because one of the bills that seemed to have a lot of momentum before FTX's collapse was this bill from Senators uh, Stabenow and St- Senators Bozeman that would have given the Commodity Futures Trading Commission more power to oversee cryptocurrencies. Uh, Senate Agriculture Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow and the committee's top Republican John Bozeman dropping a brand new bill this morning that would give the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission more regulatory authority to oversee the crypto market and regulate Bitcoin and Ether as commodities. Now, this bill would sit... And the issue with that bill, of course, was that FTX's former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, was a vocal supporter of that. He was constantly on the Hill talking about the need for that legislation. And so, you know, regardless of maybe the merits of the bill, um, there are a lot of folks who see that as tainted. Why have your members vote on a bill that could put them in a tough political position, um, given how how close to the effort Sam Bankman-Fried was. So, you know, that that bill, of course, uh, kind of fell apart for, for those reasons, though I know that those senators are still keen on trying to do something in that space. So maybe it's as simple as saying we went back to the drawing board. Um, we have looked at the bill. We've tightened provisions to make sure that it's a stronger bill and we still feel like we need to give the CFTC this authority, so we're moving forward with that. And then on other bills, you know, the the stablecoin bill that the House was drafting that was never actually formally introduced, there were a number of of challenges. It was a a big bill. Um, There were disagreements about the role of state regulators versus Mm -hmm. federal regulators. Um, I think that those types of disagreements are going to continue into next year, And now we'll have, you know, the House and Republican control. So kind of a different conversation, new dynamics to, to, you know, navigate. So it'll be an interesting uh, 2023. Going back to that idea of the politics of all of this, you know, I think going into the beginning of 2022, there was this idea that all of the Dems were anti-crypto and all of the Republicans were pro-crypto. Has that been true? No, I would say that, you know, throughout the last year, we saw more Democrats kind of coming on board. We saw Senator Cory Booker talking about crypto a lot more. We saw um, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York. She was actually a bipartisan co-sponsor on a bill with uh, Republican Cynthia Lummis. So there were Democrats that were coming and saying, 
um, you know, look, we think there are, are benefits to cryptocurrency. And then, of course, uh, all of these failures in the market, the the, the declines in uh, token prices, um, you know, FTX was not the only company to go bankrupt. Those have caused some problems. And, you know, what I hear now, I was talking to a lobbyist recently who represents a lot of these crypto firms and basically you know, that person was saying that there's a lot more skepticism around mm-hmm. around lawmakers, probably why you're not seeing a ton of them coming out and being, um, especially on the Democratic side, like avid crypto supporters at this point. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting to see if this does become more of a partisan issue going into 2023 than it was becoming towards the end of 2022. Bill, I want to ask you about I don't know if it's your personal favorite topic, but it's certainly your professional <laughs> favorite topic, which is which is campaign finance, because this was a thing where, you know, we got into the 2022, the midterm cycle, and you and others were publishing stories about the fact that donations from crypto affiliated, you know, political entities were record breaking. They were like, defense, whatever. We've got this. We're crypto. We have opinions and we have money to spend. We now have this interesting quirk where Sam Bankman-Fried, among the various charges that he's facing, and he has not been convicted of any of them, but he's certainly been accused of a lot, have to do with campaign finance violations. There's possibly three things that he could be in trouble for. The indictment goes to two. One is, is that he allegedly used other people to donate money. And this was to campaigns and to party committees, which have contribution limits. You can only give so much money. It's $2,900 now. And a lot of times when you have campaign finance laws being broken, it's somebody who uses five or six buddies to all give the maximum $2,900 to a campaign. And he's paying for it out of his own pocket. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's you know, violation number one. Number two is the indictment alleges that he was using corporate money to actually pay for that. And politicians cannot accept corporate money in any way, shape, or form. So if this proves to be true, there's going to be a lot of campaigns and party committees that are writing refund checks to FTX because they're not allowed to take that money. And then a third possibility is, you know, FTX is a sprawling uh, international company with all kinds of different incorporated divisions. Some of this may be foreign money, which is also illegal for for U.S. campaigns and super PACs to take. So there's there's just the the number of potential violations are are, are huge based on what the indictment is saying. So, Allison, going back to your point about you know politicians being like, eh, I don't know if I want to be associated with this guy, is some of these alleged campaign violations is like, is that a consideration for any of the folks who were, say, sponsors or supporters of any of these bills? You know, you have to think that it it factors into their decisions. A lot of them are getting, you know, a lot of people that took money from Sam Bankman-Fried are getting tough questions from reporters saying, you know, what do you plan to do with that money? Like, (laughs) did you did you vet it? And and all of these other, you know, questions that they likely don't want to have to answer in their daily in their daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you got to think that this is going to factor into how they feel about the crypto industry, how close they want to get to the crypto industry going forward. Obviously, this past year there have been a lot of investigations opened on crypto firms. We have all of these allegations of fraud. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that these lawmakers I think are going to be considering as they move forward. Up next, you'll hear more from Bloomberg reporters Alison Versbrill and Bill Allison. We'll be right back. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, 
the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Bill, has there ever been a case, I know, you know, we've even mentioned on this podcast, like Enron as an example of an entity that had a lot of people associated with it who were big political givers or influential in some way. But is there like an, a course correction where politicians would be like, crypto money? Absolutely not. Thank you. Goodbye. Or are they going to realize that campaigns are expensive? <laughs> and if there's another crypto company that wants to, you know, that has a CEO that wants to give them money, they'll at least take the meeting. Yeah. I, you know, it, with politics, you know, as long as you haven't been indicted yet, they'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I we already see Tom Emmer out. He was a very powerful Republican uh, talking about crypto regulation. And he's and his his argument is basically that FTX is all about Sam Bankman-Fried. It's all about, you know, it's this one person. It's the one bad apple or bad egg. And that the industry, you know, that what you need is the kind of regulatory framework that, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried was talking about with this very kind of decentralized uh, regulatory oversight. And so I think that, you know, you're going to see politicians who are not going to be afraid, you know, for ideological reasons to embrace people in the crypto industry. And, you know, I think the other thing is, that, you know, it, it, as we get further along and this becomes, you know, the bankruptcy case will be about Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. And, you know, but other companies, I think, will probably be able to distance themselves from that, that, you know, that's it's, you know, just because Enron collapsed did not mean that every single energy company stopped giving or politicians stopped taking money from every single energy company. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it really is, you know, in some ways, you know, because he becomes such a big story, it gives a little bit of cover to everybody else that that's where the attention is and they can go about things probably in a more quiet way. But they'll still be giving money, I would think. Now, Allison, U.S. regulation is notoriously parochial in the sense of folks tend to make decisions through a lens of, you know, national security or what's good for the U.S. or like the U.S. economic system. And every single country has kind of a similar perspective on how they do things. The U.S. just happens to be one of the larger <laughs> um, players in that ecosystem. There's this increasing drumbeat, though, from other countries and other regulators that the key for crypto is global coordination that it sort of makes no sense for the UK to have one way of doing things, for France to have another way, and for the US to have a third. What do you see are the prospects of something like that? You know, I, I would say that a lot of these agencies would probably say that these conversations happen right now. I mean, I don't know about the prospects for some sort of big global framework, but there are, you know, there are conversations that happen behind the scenes as much as they can under, you know, information sharing agreements between different countries. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably a conversation that's happening right now. We'll see if, you know, groups like like FSOC uh, start talking more and more about... And FSOC is the... The Financial Stability Oversight Council. Um, so they're the ones that just put out this annual report and they're made up of all sort of the major 
U.S. Uh, financial regulators, including, you know, the secure, security, the heads of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the heads of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, um, Treasury, Fed. So, you know, it's it's something that I definitely expect to be a continued conversation, um, and we'll have to see where that lands. So that FSOC report that you mentioned, they mentioned the word crypto nearly a hundred times, which is, I mean, I cover crypto and even so that strikes me as a lot. But are there other players who have kind of opinions in this area that we should be paying attention to? So, you know, I think it's important to note that there are questions about what to do on a global scale. Obviously, cryptocurrency is a global business. Um, even if you have an exchange that's based in the Bahamas, for instance, like FTX, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have customers from other countries like the U.S. Um, somehow be able to access that. Um, and so I think I will note, you know, in October, actually, of this year, the Finan- Financial Stability Board, which includes uh, different countries, had published a proposed framework for international regulation of crypto asset activities. Uh, the U.S is involved uh, in in the FSB. So, you know, we'll have to see if there's more discussion about global efforts, about global coordination uh, going into next year. Bill, on the other hand, you know, campaign finance is by definition a very local set of considerations. It almost doesn't matter whatever the Canadians are up to. What are some of the ways in which you know, these laws might get, if not tightened, at least scrutinized to avoid some of the, shall we say, FTX effect that we've seen this year. One of the things that Sam Bankman-Fried has claimed, and, you know, I'm not sure that the data supports it, but he said that he poured in a a lot of dark money, and these are Mm -hmm. undisclosed contributions to Republicans, Republicans, right, that he basically gave as much to Republicans as he did to Democrats. Mm -hmm. And, it's very hard to prove, uh, you know, from the standpoint of being a reporter, whether it happened or not. But, you know, there are bank transfers. There are records that he has. If this does come to come out to be proven, you may see a bigger effort to disclose donations that, you know, nonprofits that spend on politics will have to disclose the donors uh, or their major donors. And there's been a bill that's been kicking around, I think, since 2013 that would do that. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll finally get some impetus to do that and have a little more disclosure. But I don't think you're going to see, like, you know, anybody trying to shut down super PACs, although, you know, a lot of people would like to. But the problem is you have a Supreme Court decision that prevents that from happening. All right. Bill, Allison, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You can find more of their reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. For more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, which is also called Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.
From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.